guys have a great time together. Everybody else, turn to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. We've been studying the cross for these past weeks. Uh, and I, just to remind you of some, a couple of quotes that I uh, think are very important and some passages we've looked at. Emil Bruner said that the cross is the sign of the Christian faith, of the Christian church, of the revelation of God in Christ Jesus. He who understands the cross aright understands the Bible. He understands Jesus Christ. Um, this week, I, every week, I send my dad a manuscript of my sermon. Um, and usually he says, good job, or uh, here's something I would add, or here's something I would change, or whatever. And then he sends it out to a bunch of people overseas who um, he thinks it would bless. So he sends it around. This week my dad did something unusual. He called me and he said, after he read the manuscript on Friday, I, I gave to him. He said, I would copy off the manuscript and give it to everybody in your church before they left today. And I said, why? He said, if we get this, we understand our faith. If we don't, then we're just wasting our time. He said, this message is that important. He said, you know, my dad's like 81, something like that now, 82. He's at the point where he was saying, in all his years of ministry, if people get this message, the deliverance that comes through the cross, the importance of the cross, then our lives will be radically changed. If we understand who we are in Christ and the freedom that comes in him, our lives will will be radically altered. So I'm praying this morning that the Spirit of God would make this become life. If some point you want this manuscript, any week, you're happy to email me, I'll send it to you. But if not, just take your notes out and at least follow along, write these passages down, and um, just let the Spirit of God minister life to you. Some passages that we've looked at already, 2 Corinthians 5.21, where God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was made sin so that we could be made right. We're going to review that again today because it is so, so very, very crucial. Last week we looked at how Jesus was forsaken on the cross. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? The truth that all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That the darkness of the cross was so that we could walk in light. The loneliness of the cross is so that we could walk in relationship with God. And on the cross, the entire theme of this series is that it is finished. When Jesus died on the cross, the work of God in redeeming mankind was finished. The resurrection brings us to a point of new life, but the redeeming work of Christ is seen on the cross. Too, far, too often we just blitz through this week, going from the palms to the resurrection without really dwelling on the meaning and glory of the cross. Jesus, keep us near the cross. Because there's a precious fountain, free to all. All of those people those cards represent. It's free to all, a healing stream that flows from Calvary's mountain. Without Jesus, without Jesus, we are in bondage and we need deliverance. Um, We 
we are really in need of deliverance. Uh, I, I found some photos this week um, that uh, just a series of photos uh, for OCD people, uh, of which I'm one, uh, trying to keep things straight and in line that will drive all of us crazy, just to illustrate how much we need the deliverance of God. Um, I don't know how well you can see some of these. Um, that one doesn't come across very well, but um, can, can you see the... Okay, we'll move on. You just want to go and straighten that last one, don't you? Okay, these are not turning out so well. Let's get to... All right, this one's good. I don't know. I've just got to put the center in the center. Can you find it? All your OCD people found it right away. Somebody go straighten that step. (laughs) I know some of you would be in that house moving that picture right now. You know, those of you who are more OCD than others, you're finding the humor in this. The others are just like, I don't, I don't see. Yeah. Which, which one do I fix? Yeah. Some of you understand the deliverance that you need right now. You understand that there is something inside our minds that needs freeing. Uh, Let me tell you, there's something inside all of us that needs freeing. We need the cross of Christ to deliver us from our ways of thinking. We We need freedom. Palm Sunday, Jesus enters Jerusalem. All the people hail him as king, believing that he has come to deliver them and to rule them. And, and indeed, he has. He has come, but the problem was he did not come as they thought he was going to come. He comes, they think, to deliver them from the rule of Rome and to set up um, a, a second nationalistic Israel that would then rule all of the nations. Jesus came to deliver them from sin and to set up the rule and reign of God in their lives, to reestablish our relationship with him. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, where I ask you to turn, here's what it says, and this is the New American Standard Version. It says this, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all of their lives. Here's the freedom that Christ comes to give. First, look at the nature of the cross. The nature of the cross, and we see it in the first part of this verse. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, that's us, we are in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. Jesus Christ came to share in our humanity. The word share here literally means 
to take hold of something that is not naturally one's own kind. Here's the idea. As you know, Jesus is divine. Jesus is God. He takes on flesh and blood. He shares in something that is not naturally his. He voluntarily took hold of something that didn't naturally belong to him. He added himself to our nature in order that he could die in our place because it was the only way it could happen. And that we, in turn, might take hold of the divine nature that did not belong to us. I wrote that phrase out because I'm not sure that we really get the exchanged life that God came to deliver to us. He, who was divine, became flesh. We, who are flesh, you might say, well, we don't become divine, but we partake of the divine nature. Peter's the one who gives us this. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4 says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Look up here just one second. Don't let anyone ever tell you you don't have what you need to live a godly life, that you can't do it. God has already provided for you. Now, I'm I'm not saying you're going to live a perfect life. All of us are going to stumble and fall, but we all have the potential to live a godly life because of what God has already done for us. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. It's by his grace that this happens. It's by his glory, his excellence, not my own. Peter goes on and says, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Do you see it? We get to share his divine nature. He shares our humanity. He takes on something that is not naturally his own, human flesh, so that we can share in his divine nature, so that we can share in his power, his excellence, his glory. People, do you, do you see the greatness of the gospel in this? When we go around saying, I can't or I'm not, then in some way we miss the power and the glory of the cross. In faith, we need to receive. Because when we do, when we understand the nature of the cross, then we can receive the freedom that comes through the cross. 1 John 3.8 says this, He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. This is a very, very powerful passage. John is saying that Satan has been sinning from the beginning. John is saying to us, the devil is the source of all sin. There's never been a sin committed that did not have its origin in Satan's mind. Many of us like to pretend that Satan is a character of myth, that he's not real. However, I would contend that the Bible, the authoritative word of God, 
clearly proclaims that the, the devil, Satan, the enemy, is a very real entity. Thank you, Dottie. Not only is he real, but he wants us to... Sh- you can talk back to me anytime you want to, Dottie. Just fill in the blanks for me. Not only is he real, but he wants us to share in his reality. Sin and death are Satan's tools, and he wants to use them on us. This is why the author of Hebrews says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, meaning Jesus, that through death, his death on the cross, he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Through the cross, Jesus came to render render powerless the schemes and tools of the enemy. Colossians 2.15, speaking of Jesus on the cross, says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The devil thought he had won by killing Jesus by putting him to death on a cross, that if he could kill him, then that would be the end. What he didn't realize, and his greatest mistake, was that bringing the Son of God to the cross, he was in fact defeating himself and bringing about his own ultimate doom. How? Paul tells us that the Lord, there on the cross, in apparent weakness, was in fact putting the devil on display, triumphing over him, putting on display the the works of the evil one and defeating them. The power that the devil has is nothing but a usurped power. He has taken power that was not actually his. He has no power of his own. The devil is the god of this world, the prince of the power of the air, Because man, in his rebellion, has allowed and is separated from the kingdom of God. I don't know if I can verbalize this very well, but let me try. Here we have the kingdom of God, which is the rule and reign of God. Very simply put, I mean, we can make it more complicated, but it's where God rules and reigns. Man was created and put under the rule and reign of God. But when he sinned and in his rebellion, he stepped out of the rule and reign of God. Now, where is he? Where is he? Where where God is not, darkness is. If God is light, then where there is no light, the darkness prevails. Are you with me? So the Bible talks about the world, the flesh, and the devil, but in fact, that is Everything that doesn't encompass the rule and reign and light of God. So when you are out of the rule and reign of God, in his power and in his might, you are now in the kingdom of darkness. And who is the prince of the power of this world of darkness? Satan is. So you are under a usurped power, but you did it by rebelling against God and being removed from the kingdom of light, and being placed in the kingdom of darkness. Jesus came in order that the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of God, could be reestablished on this earth, and you could be transferred 
from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. People, this, this is what it's all about. To understand that you no longer, you may be, you, you're going to stumble and you're going to fall and then you're going to sin. You're not going to be perfect in this kingdom, but you still are under a different ruler when you're in this kingdom. So saying, I can't, or I'm worthless, or I'm no good, or whatever else may be going on, that's, that's Satan's goal in your life. Physically, he wants to kill you. Spiritually, he wants to keep you separated from God. Emotionally, he wants to bring shame. He wants to accuse you in your life. And when we don't understand that that is not who God has made us to be and has redeemed us, that's not the power that came through the cross, then we participate with the enemy's purposes in our life. Listen, on our own, we don't have, we don't have, as I said last week, the currency. We don't have the perfection that would allow us to transfer from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Just as an illustration, just think about this for just a second. Um, Last Monday night, uh, the NCAA basketball tournament finished. There were 63 games in the tournament, and you may have read Warren Buffett offered $1 billion, $1 billion to anybody who could pick the winner of all 63 games. $1 $1 billion. Are you with me? You may have read about this. You may not. $1 billion. It's only 63 games. You didn't have to predict the score. You didn't have to predict how why. All you had to do was predict the winner. 15 million brackets were turned in. That's what they limited it to. 15 million brackets were turned in. In the first game alone, 84% of those brackets were no longer any good. The first game alone, 84 brackets. By the end of the first day, way in the 90% were no good. It took 25 out of 63 games for every single person of the 15 million to be eliminated. Not even half. First two days of the tournament, everybody was gone. Look, this is just basketball. I'm not talking just about life. I'm talking about life here and all of our imperfections Our rebellion, our sin, as it were, deserved death. But Jesus came to defeat the work of the devil in your life. He came to transfer you, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. How did this work? Well, according to Corinthians, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and then gave us, by the way, hold your cards back up. I'm just kidding. Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. The devil thought he was defeating Christ. But Jesus was, in effect, reconciling us to God, moving us, giving us the opportunity through faith to move from the devil's kingdom into God's. And this brings us to the hope of the cross, the hope that comes through the cross. Gallup Research just recently interviewed people in 142 countries. They interviewed over a quarter of a million people in these 142 countries. 
and nine out of every 10 people believe that their lives will be at least the same or better in five years. Nine out of every 10 people believe their lives will be the same or better in five years. What this said to me was people all over the world, even in very dark circumstances, they have some sort of hope. But their hope is really a wishful thinking because they don't know what their life is going to be like in five years, but they're wishing or a world kind of hoping that their life will be better. See, our hope in Christ comes not through wishful thinking. It comes through the substance that is the cross. It is not wishful thinking. It is a promise of God that is yet to be fulfilled. That is our hope. In Hebrews, again, back in chapter 2, in the final part of this passage, said that he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Death is Satan's weapon of choice. His final accusation, his final fear factor, as it were, is death. Our physical death, our spiritual death, our eternal death. And he holds that over us, uh, a bit like the sword of Damocles, like it's going to fall someday. It's just a matter of when, and it's swinging back and forth over our necks, just precariously threatening us all of our days. But Christ has come to remove that sword altogether and to say that fear of death no longer has sway over you. After much begging, this little girl talked her mom into buying her a hamster. And the mom knew, I'm going to end up taking care of this hamster. But the little girl said, no, I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise. I will take care of the hamster. Anybody been here? Sure enough, after a period of time, the little girl forgets about the hamster. The mom starts taking care of the hamster. And the mom, in her frustration, says to the little girl, Do you know how many times if I had not been taking care of this hamster, this hamster would have died? To which the little girl says, once? (laughs) You can't die many times, but you can die once. And that's what the devil holds over you. You are going to die. And the fear of death, I have had both the privilege and the horror of being with people when they die. The difference between someone who's holding on to faith and that death has no fear to them is incredibly beautiful. The horror of a person staring death in the face and the fear of it looking in them in the eye is its a terrible place to be. It's heartbreaking. It's heart-wrenching. Jesus came to say humanity has a hope. He died in order to transfer us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and so that the final enemy, death, could be ultimately defeated. And it was defeated on the cross. And then to prove it, he rose from the dead. 
death has no sway over us. We stand in the grace of God. John said, when people sin and keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil. Many of us have stood at Satan's side and continued to sin. Some of us still are letting sin have rule and reign in our lives. But Christ has come to set us free. All of our souls, I believe, are crying for something more. We're held in slavery to the fear of death. But Jesus came to set the captives free. This week, I'm asking you to meditate and maybe even memorize this passage. It's a little longer than the other. And the wording is a little awkward. But if you think of this, in the gospel, in this passage, the entire gospel is portrayed. Jesus came to share in our flesh. He went to death in order that the devil could be defeated. He went to death and was raised from the dead in order that death, the final enemy, could be annihilated. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same that through death he might render, this is great, powerless. Him who had the power of death, that is the devil and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all of their lives. Jesus came to destroy and render powerless the works of the evil one. This destruction is like a loosing of chains. If indeed, as we sang, as Winter sang earlier, that he came to break every chain, this is what Christ did for us on the cross. He broke the chains. Satan is still busy doing his defeated works, but he is ultimately defeated. And in Christ Jesus, the chains are broken. Do you understand, do I understand, that we in truth have a more powerful weapon than the enemy has? We, we have the cross of Christ. We have Christ living in our hearts through the power of the Spirit. We're not strong enough to feed the, the devil on our own, but we have him who has already broken him living in us. And as a result, love wins in our lives, in our hearts, and in the future. And he's entrusted to us this very message to share with others. On the night he was going to get arrested and was betrayed, Jesus had a final meal with his followers. And projecting to what was about to take place, looking toward what was going to happen in the next day, he picks up a loaf of bread And he breaks this bread, and what does he say? This is my body, which is what? Broken for you. He's giving them the gospel in the loaf of bread. He's saying to them, I, who am divine, really, share in your humanity, and I'm going to be broken. 
so that the penalty of death can be broken in your lives. And then they had supper together. And then after supper, he picks up a chalice or cup of wine of some kind. He holds it up and he said to them, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. He's saying, I'm I'm establishing a new covenant with all of mankind that because my body's going to be broken and my blood is going to be shed, you are going to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light if you but receive me. When we come to the table of the Lord, as we do on days like this, this is not a religious ritual we go through. This is a reminder that here's who I am. Christ's body was broken for me. He paid the penalty of sin so that I would not have to. Not only that, not only has the penalty been removed, but the fear and sting of death is gone from my life. And he didn't just kind of say, I think this might happen. Instead, he made a covenant with us. This covenant, this blood is the symbol of the covenant, the promise but more than a promise, the contract, but more than a contract. This is, I'm staking my deity on this. And he had the the power to fulfill it. This morning, we're going to come to the table of the Lord. And then we're going to pray for each other before we leave. Because there may be chains in your life that you need broken. And you want somebody to stand with you in this promise of God to see the chain broken off your life. And could we for, I don't want to say for once, but could we get real with each other and say, I've got some chains that need to be broken. I've got some stuff in my life, some ways of thinking, some patterns of behavior. I no longer want to participate with the devil. I want to participate with God in his life and his freedom. And if so, you know what? There is no shame, that's the devil's tool, in coming to someone and saying, please pray for me that these chains would be broken off my life. Chains of sickness, chains of death, chains of shame, chains of sin, chains of thinking that are not of God. People, let's not render powerless the cross of Christ in our lives, but instead let's stand on it in faith. Lord, I thank you this morning for what you're going to do. Even as we come to the table of the Lord together as the people of God, I thank you for what's going to happen when we take of this bread and we take of this cup and we pray for one another that, God, your rule and reign is going to be unleashed in this place. Chains are going to be broken. People are going to be set free. I pray that if there's anyone here today who doesn't know Christ as Lord and Savior of their life, that Spirit of God, you draw them. We thank you for what you're going to do today. May we come to the table of the Lord in faith and in grace and to receive all that you have for us at this moment. Thank you. Come to the table of the Lord, people. Ushers, if you would come quickly to the front. If you're a guest here at Fullness, but you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we invite you to come to the table of the Lord. We do it this way. The middle sections will come down the middle aisles. Outside sections down the outside aisle. 
take the cup and the bread back to your place with you, and as the body of Christ is a sign of unity, we'll take it together. Come to the table of like this, but um, just as a sign of the reverence and honor of the Lord for what he did, would you stand up with me? Lord, we thank you. We take this bread and we thank you. We thank you for the miracle of the cross, the wonder of the cross, the glory of the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that you who were God, are God came to this earth and shared in our humanity so that we could in turn share in your divine nature. Lord, we thank you. May we receive all that you came to do as we take this bread this morning. This bread is my body, which is broken for you. Take this morning we recognize that without your blood being shed there would be no forgiveness of sins 
that we would still be eternally separated from God without you going to the cross. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that in your blood being shed, not only were our sins forgiven, but a promise, a covenant was unveiled. A covenant that you established. A covenant that you fulfilled. A covenant that we only have to receive for ourselves. Thank you, Lord, that you're the one who sustains it and undergirds it. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which was shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink. As I pray, ministry teams are going to come. They're going to be lined up across the front. If you need prayer for the loosening of chains or receiving health or healing or direction of the Lord, before you leave, um, let's pray for one another. Don't just stay for a moment. I'll release you in a minute, but just continue to stay and worship and receive of the Lord. Ministry teams come. Lord, we thank you again for what you did in loosing chains. Even the final enemy death has been defeated. So Lord, how much more do you want to defeat and unloose chains that bind us here this morning? Lord, we pray that you would move among us. Spirit of God and might and power come. Set captives free. Heal the sick. Free those who are in bondage to sin. Change our way of thinking. Give us direction. We pray right now for your grace to be unleashed in this place. If you need prayer, just come right now and receive prayer as Adrian continues to sing.